Chapter Seven of Dorothy Dale's Great Secret. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Thompson. Dorothy Dale's Great Secret by Margaret Penrose. Chapter Seven, at Sunset Lake. The day following proved to be one of those exceptionally warm days that occasionally come at the end of June, with the express purpose, it would seem, of making life unbearable for those engaged in finishing up a term at school. All the morning the Glenwood pupils lived on the thoughts of the promised swim to come that afternoon. When dismissal hour did finally drag around, little attention was paid to luncheon, all minds and hearts being set on the jaunt to Sunset Lake. This was a summer resort not far from the school, and there was a good sandy stretch for bathing. The season had hardly opened yet, and Mrs. Pangborn was thus able to hire for that afternoon the exclusive right of the sandy shore for her pupils. Dorothy and Tavia were to go, although neither expected to take the lake bath, for Dorothy was firm in her resolve to stay with Tavia, and so forego one of her favourite pastimes, for Dorothy Dale was counted an excellent swimmer. In high glee the party started off, under the chaperonage of Miss Higley, and even those pupils who insisted that she was a bear were forced to admit that, on this occasion, she was as meek as a lamb. The fact was that Miss Higley loved swimming, and knew she was expert at the exercise, so the promised sport was especially welcome to her. Along the shady road to the lake, Dorothy laughed and chatted as merrily as did the others, but Tavia was inclined to pout. She had begged to be allowed to go into the water, declaring that she was entirely recovered and that the swim would do her good. But Mrs. Pangborn would not consent, so Tavia was to take what enjoyment she could derive from watching the others. When the Glenwood girls reached Sunset Beach, the entrance gate to the bathing grounds was locked against all outsiders. A row of bathing houses was placed at the disposal of the young ladies, and there was a matron in attendance. In fact, the pleasure grounds were turned over entirely to Mrs. Pangborn's pupils, and the presence of the white-aproned attendant gave the place a look of the utmost propriety. On this occasion, likewise, the lifeguard was banished, and, as Dick expressed it, there never was a man in sight when the girls in brown took their annual. While the others were making themselves frog-like in the aforementioned suits, Dorothy and Tavia established themselves in an old boat on the shore of the lake it was their first visit to the resort as it was their first term at glenwood and the two girls were quite charmed with the pretty picturesque surroundings not much like our pond in dalton tavia observed viewing the placid lake with its great open expanse of sunlit waters no but that was a splendid little pond for swimming dorothy reminded her companion never relishing any aspersions thrown in the direction of dear old dalton Soon some of the girls appeared on the little boardwalk bordering the lake, and, in unheard-of politeness, waited for Miss Higley to come out and take the first plunge. That formality being over, there was a wild rush for the water, each one of the girls expecting to have a better time than any of the others. Nita Brandt and Adele Thomas had not yet learned to swim, so these two were provided with a pair of water wings to support them, and they floundered around like a couple of ferry boats. Tavia declared, 
as they made all sorts of vain attempts to strike out like the others. Dick and Cologne were soon engaged in a race from one float to the other, doing the overhand stroke and making a fine showing for the first of the season efforts. "'You're exceeding the speed limit!' shouted Tavia from the boat as she stood up in the stern and viewed the race with unconcealed interest. "'Get out of the way!' called a dozen voices as the twain with their water wings anchored directly in Dick's course. But the girls floating on the wings could not get upon their feet, for they were in water about up to their heads. Every effort they made to touch bottom seemed to send their faces down, while simultaneously two pair of stockings would shoot up above the surface of the lake. Miss Higley instantly realized that Nita and Adele were out too far, that they were beyond their depth, and therefore in danger should the wings, which were muslin bags blown up, burst or slip from under their arms. She did not wait to see the result of the race, but struck out for the now thoroughly frightened girls, who were calling in vain for someone to help them to shore. As Miss Higley reached them, Dick and Cologne, who had not grasped the situation, came gliding up to the same spot, almost side by side, working earnestly, each to outdistance the other in reaching the float which was the goal. "'Here!' shouted Miss Higley to them. "'Stop! Never mind the race. Help get these two girls in. They're exhausted.' The two swimmers veered around to Nita and Adele. Yes, Nita was gasping. She had evidently swallowed considerable water. And Adele could not attempt another stroke. Her limbs seemed paralyzed. Without speaking, thinking to save her breath for the struggle, Cologne took a position between the badly frightened girls, while Miss Higley and Dick swung around so that each could grasp an arm, one of Nita and the other of Adele. In this manner, the three swimmers towed to shore those who had ventured too far on the water wings. For a few minutes there was plenty of excitement at Sunset Beach, everyone gathering around the rescued ones, suggesting both restoratives and punishments to close the incident. Miss Higley quietly waited for the girls to recover their breaths and other faculties that had been temporarily suspended during the mishap, and then asked why they had ventured out so far. We didn't! gulped Nita. We just stayed perfectly still, and we kept going along. Well, finished Miss Higley, you must not again get on those wings without someone at hand to help you, or until you can manage them better. I'm thankful nothing worse happened. So Nita and Adele, much chagrined and more disappointed, were obliged to spend the remainder of their swimming time with Dorothy and Tavia on the beach. As wading did not suit them after their attempt at swimming, unsuccessful as it had proven. As the afternoon waned, the interest in the water exercise grew keener, and those who could trust themselves were indulging in all sorts of stunts, sliding down an inclined wooden chute and diving from a springboard. Miss Higley posted herself near the danger line, realizing that she must act as guard and lookout for the safety of the swimmers. Presently, someone suggested an endurance trial and this attracted almost all the girls away from the chute over toward the stretch of deep water. But Edna Black did not join the racers. She had never before tried shooting the chutes, and was infatuated with the sport. Time after time she climbed the little ladder and as quickly slid down the curved, inclined plank into the water again. Dorothy and Tavia were watching her from the shore, calling to her in merry nonsense and joking about her sliding propensities. "'Going down!' called Tavia as Edna took one more slide. 
They waited, but she did not come up. Miss Higley, too, was watching for the young diver's reappearance. Ten, twenty, she counted, but Edna did not come up. Then, from the very top of the slide, where she had taken her position some time before, to better watch all the girls, Miss Higley dove into the water after Edna, cleaving the fifteen feet of distance from the surface like a flash. Dorothy and Tavia stood breathless, watching for either Miss Higley or Edna to come to the top. It seemed ages, yes, it was too long to stay under water. What had happened to Miss Higley? Where was Edna? An instant later, Dorothy and Tavia, without exchanging a word, kicked off their slippers and were in the water. There was no time to call the girls farther out. Not a swimmer was near enough to offer help. Their light summer clothing seemed to make little difference to these two country girls, who had learned to swim in Dalton Pond, and, in a few seconds, both had reached the spot where Edna and the teacher had disappeared. Tavia was the first to dive, and in a few seconds she came up with Edna, white and unconscious, in her arms. "'Hold her, while I try, for Miss Higley,' cried Dorothy, as Tavia, supporting her burden on one arm, and grasped the crossbar of the chute with her other, and yelled for help. Dorothy was now under the water, groping for the other lost one, but she had to come up for air without bringing Miss Higley. Down she went again, taking a long breath, and determining to remain under until she could get a grip on the clothing of the teacher. Now the others were close at hand to assist Tavia in caring for Edna. Down and down Dorothy went, the water gurgling in her ears, down and down into the depths. It seemed as if she could not stand the strain and pressure. A trail of bubbles and a swirl of the surface of the lake marked where she had disappeared. Rose Mary and Dick were the first to reach Tavia, and they at once took charge of the unconscious one, floating her to shore between them. Then others came up to the chute, white, frightened, and trembling at the news Tavia gasped out to them. So alarmed were they that none of them dared venture to help Dorothy down there in the blackness and silence at her gruesome task. Tavia, as soon as she had recovered her breath, had started off to assist Dick and Rose Mary in bringing Edna to shore, as the task was no light one for the three swimmers. Then, as she got into the shallow water, Tavia turned, suddenly remembering something, and shouted to the girls about the chute, "'Go for Dorothy! She is under there looking for Miss Higley!' But as one or two of the braver girls, feeling the need of action, prepared to dive, they saw the pale face of Dorothy Dale come to the surface, and they saw that, in her arms, she held clasped the form of Miss Higley. But the hand that Dorothy stretched out to grasp the bottom of the chute, that she might support herself and the inert burden, just failed to catch hold of the wooden brace, and amid a swirl of waters Dorothy went down again, out of sight, with the unconscious teacher. End of chapter 7